Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. Although we are already several days into the new year, in case I didn't get to all of you to greet you, I will do it now once again. A blessed new year to all of you. Now, this would refer to the civil new year. There is a liturgical new year. And if you've listened to this program, you realize that that would come on September 1st, not January 1st. That's September 1st. And that would be in what we call the Byzantine Reckoning. That was the calendar year according to the Emperor Constantine of the Byzantine Empire, later on the Byzantine Church. But right now we're coming out of the very beginning of this new civil year, so again I wish you a blessed new year, and I want to thank you for having been with us here at Light of the East this past year, 2016, and now we start a new one. Hopefully you're still with us. Hopefully we'll even pick up even maybe more listeners if you pass the word. And those who have been listening will stay with us because, as always, we look forward to really an exciting, inspiring year. As we move through the calendar year of the church, we move through the many dimensions of the eastern lung of the church. We talk about both lungs here in this program, but primarily we talk about the eastern lung. And we talk about both lungs, east and west, because our mission here, as you often hear at the beginning of our program, is unity, Christian unity. And that starts with unity within the Catholic Church itself. Unity between the two lungs of the church, as St. John Paul II referred to it. The church is made of basically two fundamental approaches, east and west, and within those there are different jurisdictions. But fundamentally, there's this complementarity in the church, just like there is in the human race between man and woman, well, there is between east and west. And this is just how the church developed, two basic approaches to the one same thing. So on this program, we highlight both lungs of the church, east and west, but primarily those of the east. And when we talk about the gifts of the eastern churches, I would say that you could really look at two fundamental pillars of the eastern spirituality, and that is its liturgy and its monasticism. And all these things go together. 
And this is one of the features of Eastern spirituality. One of the things that I think is a gift, our sense of integration, of living in the both and. So when I talk about things in the East, you notice I always talk about them in a both and kind of way, East and West, or monasticism and liturgy, or celibacy and marriage, and so on. So when we talk about liturgy, we talk about it not just as a history lesson, although that is part of it, understanding the historical development of liturgy is very important. But what we're talking about is the lived experience of liturgy, especially Eastern liturgy or Byzantine liturgy in particular, and how we can apply that to our lives. And let's face it, when we talk about liturgy, we have to talk about not only its historical context, its spirituality, but also what I like to call applied liturgy. It's oftentimes the question that people ask, I think, when they attend liturgy or attend church. And that question is, well, so what? Okay, I did church, I attended, or I fulfilled my obligation. And that's good in itself. Yes, that is good. But I think in the minds and the hearts of many people, it is, well, okay, so what? So I, I, okay, I did this, but what does it have to do with the rest of my life? And in fact, liturgy should have everything to do with our lives. Worship should have everything to do. In fact, Pope Benedict XVI said that if worship is going right in the church, all things will go right. And he is right about that. (laughs) He's right about things going right at the altar in particular. Everything emanates out from there. Why? Because Eucharist is the source and summit of our existence. So, It's like the hub of the wheel. Everything moves in and out of that Eucharistic celebration, which is the absolute heart of the church, the source and summit of our existence. But emanating out from that is the rest of what we call liturgy or the liturgical life of the church. And from that, we emanate out to life itself. So when we live life, we live our lives, we bring that experience to liturgy, you know, to church. That's another important reason why we should go to church is because we bring our experience of life to church. And we bring that to church because, in a sense, it informs the liturgy. In other words, it contributes to the liturgy, actually. We take our experience of life and we bring it to the altar. We bring it to liturgy. And liturgy, in turn, is, well, think of it almost like a a mixer. It, It takes our experience of life And it mixes it or runs it through this mystical meaning, this spirituality, where it unites in that mixing agent, it unites heaven and earth. And then it sends our experience back out again. So liturgy informs our experience. Life informs liturgy, liturgy informs life. If it seems a little confusing, think of it as just something flowing in and out of a center. Something flows in. It gets processed, and then something flows out again, that thing that has been processed or transfigured. And that's our life experience. Our life experience is brought to the liturgy. The liturgy informs it, transforms it, transforms us, and then sends us back out again to transform the world. So there's a kind of a cycle, an integration. It's not compartmentalized. It's not where we go to church, and then here's our life over here. Okay, we went to church. We did our obligation, and then we go and concentrate on the football game or whatever else we're going to do that day. No, it's actually more integrated than that. We come to church with our life experience. We allow it to be informed, you know, taken up to the altar, taken up into God. 
And then God, in turn, in a sense, descends to us in the liturgy and returns our experience of life back to us through the process of liturgy. So just think of it as the like the hub of the wheel, the center, almost like a or like a button, you know, where thread goes in and out of a button. That's how you sew a button on a shirt. You pull the thread in and out of the button. Well, that's how liturgy is, the button, the center. But we always have to ask the question, especially in Eastern churches, is again, going back to the the so what question. How does liturgy inform our life? What do we do with it? How do we live that liturgy? I once had a professor in the seminary who always used to tell us, gentlemen, remember, as priests, we have to live the liturgy, live the liturgy. And I liked what he said, but we had to learn what he meant by that. And that's something that I live by, something I communicate to you by means of this program, that we live the liturgy. And when I say that, I mean that not only for you listening, but also for our church, for our own priests, our own bishops, our own selves, that we look into our liturgy and we see what is there. We unleash its dynamism, is what I like to say. We take the vision of liturgy, the experience of liturgy, that transforming power of liturgy, and we take it to every aspect of life. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that in the specifics? Well, first of all, liturgy gives us a vision of life, and that's the most important thing. That's the starting point, that we look at life in a sacramental liturgical way. And this is something Pope Francis talked about in his encyclical on the environment. What he was really saying is something that is very dear to the heart of those of us who practice the Eastern Christian spirituality, and that is to look at the environment sacramentally. The environment is holy. We look at everything this way. This is this liturgical sacramental worldview. And if we do, then that determines or influences how we relate to things, how we relate to what we're looking at. For example, if it's the environment, if you see it as sacramental, and sacramental means touching God or revealing God, living in that both and where heaven and earth come together. And heaven and earth definitely come together in nature. I'm sure you realize that if you experience any aspect of nature. Heaven and earth come together. God is revealed in nature. So that's going to make nature holy. And if it's holy, if it's sacramental, if it points to a wonderful, creating, benevolent God, then we would not think to pollute it, to ruin it, to abuse it, to be very utilitarian towards it. Rather, we look at it with respect and reverence. We don't worship it, but we look at it with a certain reverence, a certain respect, a certain awe. And we find ways to coexist with nature. So it's community and nature in harmony, not man versus nature. See, that would be the sacramental approach. And look at the result. It would result in a healthy environment. You don't have to be an environmentalist to arrive at that. You don't have to be a person in the government you know, a state representative or, you know, a congressman trying to pass laws about a clean environment. That's all good. But you don't need that if you start out already in everybody's heart and mind and soul, in their eyes, if they start out with this fundamental sacramental vision. Then everybody contributes towards a healthy, clean, and very fruitful environment. You don't need the laws. That's not the starting point. The starting point is the vision. And that vision is provided for us by liturgy. See, liturgy is an immersion in reality. It's not about just going to church. It's an immersion into reality. And 
into the right way to see all of reality. So there's one example there. Another example would be liturgy is about community. Let's face it. What's at the center of liturgy when we go to Mass or liturgy? Holy communion. Now, that word is very purposeful. Yes, it's Eucharist, but Holy Communion, capital C, Communion Community. A church, and this is especially true even of Eastern churches, as small as we sometimes are, a church or a parish, as St. John the Twenty-Third said, is like a fountain in the village. Every parish should seek to positively affect the community that surrounds it. Not just be there, just being there, just being present is affecting a community positively. Churches are always very calming, very connecting, very positive influences, very stabilizing influences in a community just by their nature. But it's got to go more than that. And this is especially a challenge in Eastern churches because they tend to be not quite as strong on evangelization as our Western brethren are. The Western lung of the church has a great genius for evangelization. The Eastern church evangelizes too, but sometimes it has to rediscover how to do that, to not just have a beautiful liturgy, but to move beyond that, to have liturgy move beyond the confines of the church and actually affect the community. I'm going to give you an example of what I mean by that that happened at our own church of Annunciation of Homer Glen, Illinois, when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Welcome back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. I gave you my 
greetings, some of them may have been belated, but still sincere, of a blessed new year to you. And I'd like to also thank all of you who have been listening and all of your kind letters to me over the year. And also I want to thank, in particular, my aunt, my Aunt Martha, who's probably listening to this program. She's a pretty faithful listener. So hello, Aunt Martha. (laughs) And Martha is in her 90s, but still getting around and above all, getting to church and and just as importantly, praying for all of us especially me. She says she prays for over 60 priests. She has a list of over 60 priests that she prays for. It's marvelous. So thank you, Aunt Martha. Thank you for listening and being who you are and who you've been all during my life. So we're talking about taking this Eastern liturgy and extending it into life, seeing how it informs our lives and how it should affect life, life beyond the church. At Annunciation of Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, We have 10 acres of property, and you can see what I'm talking about by going to our website, byzantinecatholic.com, and clicking on the nature section. What we did with our 10-acre property is we came up with a sustainable environment and water management master plan for our church property. In the community that our church is in, our parish is in of Annunciation, it's called Homer Glen, there is a semi-rural character to it. So there's lots of nature lots of water running through the community, and there was water running through our property when we went to build our church on this property. And it was a problem for our neighbors, but we had a different spirituality. We had a sacramental liturgical spirituality, so we reassured our neighbors that water is not a problem, quote-unquote, rather water is a gift. And we were going to show them how we would take the water that was for them a problem that ran across our property, and we're going to turn it into a gift. So we developed this master plan where basically we restore the indigenous prairie plants and grasses and flowers of this region of Illinois, but also help to manage the water in a way that God intended it. The water, rather than rushes off and causes flooding, it meanders through the prairie, goes back into the ground, is replenished and cleansed and comes back up as moisture. And there's this wonderful cycle that happens, this eco-cycle. And it has transformed the neighborhood. Children come to fish and catch frogs and see butterflies and dragonflies. They romp through the prairie. People come to walk their children through it and their dogs and so on. It's become like a community park. It has literally connected several communities together, whereas before they were separate, just seeing our property as some kind of a water problem. It has actually transformed our entire region and accommodated water that comes from every direction, north, south, east, and west, comes across our property. We have to accommodate it properly and send it along to continue its route. You know, water just continues to go on and on and on until it runs out to the ocean. So we're very strategic in that regard in this region. But what has transformed our property and the community and transformed hearts because the very people that were very concerned actually try to keep us from building our church here are the very people that have, over time, actually given us multiple awards here at Annunciation. Multiple awards. The very people that try to keep us out have given us multiple awards because all we did was take that vision of liturgy from inside of our church and brought it outside. That sacramental liturgical worldview is applied to the environment, and also because we know that we have to be a fountain in the community, we have to make a difference in this community, we saw a need for this community, we saw a way to improve this community, to help to conform this community more and more into the heaven on earth, 
And that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing all the time. In the liturgy and elsewhere, think about it. We say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, here's the part I want you to listen to real carefully and think about every time you say the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, I think sometimes that kind of passes us by because the part that stands out in the Lord's Prayer sometimes is the forgive us our trespasses and deliver us from evil. But there's something very significant in that passage that says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we're really doing is we're asking God to help us, to help him. In other words, to cooperate with him, to make what is in heaven, to take what is in heaven and to make that happen on earth. In other words, to configure this earth to heaven. I mean, it already does. Heaven has touched the earth. But there is an ongoing process to this. God is always creating and recreating our earth and the world. And we cooperate with him in this. We're co-creators with him. And so we ask God in that prayer, the Lord's Prayer, to help us to help him to make this earth seem like heaven. And so as a church, and since we say the Our Father right in the midst of the liturgy, we take that intention of making heaven on earth, and we do it by affecting the environment, but also affecting and transforming a community. In other words, our parish, when it came to this community, we saw it was a lovely community. It was a place we wanted to build our church and have a future for our children. We also saw that we can actually make a contribution to make this community holier, more like heaven on earth, both in its physical environment and in the hearts of people and the way people live as community here. So we are community builders as a parish. And why are we? Because the liturgy we celebrate and pray <laughs> teaches us that. What is the center of it, as I mentioned? Eucharist. Holy communion, which means community is essential. It is a fundamental aspect of our faith, making community, not just at our parish. Yes, it has to start there in our homes, our families. But as I keep saying in this program today, this word emanate, it has to emanate outward and touch people, touch things, and transform them. Key spirituality in our liturgy, is transform. We pray in our liturgy in the Byzantine Church that we come to liturgy so that we will be transformed, and also that bread and wine will be transformed. But in our liturgy, we actually pray first that we are transformed so that the bread and wine will be transformed and will be transformed by that bread and wine. So we come to liturgy to be transformed so that we can then leave liturgy and transform the world. In other words, make present the kingdom of heaven on earth. The way we touch people, the way we touch a community, the way we touch family, the way we touch people on the road, the traffic, driving home or to church. Every moment is seen through the eyes of this liturgical sacrament of worldview. And where do we get that? We get that worldview one place, in liturgy, in the worship of the church. So it's so much more than just an obligation. It's a way of life. It's an immersion to reality. Another way that liturgy informs us 
is by something that is that second pillar that I talked about in Eastern spirituality. It's by asceticism. Asceticism sounds like a strange and big word, but basically it refers to something that is very much a part of monasticism, which in turn should be very much a part of our lives as Christians, especially as Eastern Christians. Asceticism basically is a profound sense of our own unworthiness in the presence of such an incredible, incomprehensible, infinite, ineffable God. And our awareness of our sinfulness, and that the only way we can move beyond that and open ourselves to this God, to receiving this God, especially in the Eucharist, is to have an ascetical dimension of our life. In other words, where we continually say to ourselves, no, we die to ourselves." does not mean what we're being mean to ourselves. It means we're dying to our false self, just as we do in baptism. Monasticism, or the ascetical discipline, is nothing more than the ratification of that same promise, that same event of our baptism, a dying and rising, a dying and rising. And this is why during the liturgy, if you notice, in the Byzantine liturgy especially, we are forever asking God for mercy. Mercy. Boy, you think Pope Francis likes that word mercy. (laughs) He certainly does. But in our liturgy, we're always, we are always, constantly, in one form or another, begging for mercy. And then prior to receiving communion, we say a rather lengthy prayer to our Lord, begging him to make us worthy to receive, because we come to receive our Lord in the Eucharist, his whole self, body, blood, soul, divinity, in the form of bread and wine. We receive that as beggars, as sinners. We, in a sense, we come groveling to receive so great and pure and awesome a mystery. To be that close to God is awesome. And we need to have a profound sense of our unworthiness so that we can become more worthy. And it is ultimately God who makes us worthy. But we have to open ourselves through asceticism, through the constant begging of sorrow for sins, of repentance, of forgiveness, of fasting, of dying to self, saying no to ourself. This is an essential ingredient of many things, especially in marriage. That's why we say in this program that in order for a couple to be happily married, they have to, in some ways, be very good monks. That's right. <laughs> very good ascetics. Anyone who's been married a long time, happily and successfully, will tell you there's a lot of dying to self involved in that happy, successful marriage. Well, I want to thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh.